Do you have senioritis? I a little bit have senioritis. <laughs> well, I guess we're fifth year seniors, so maybe we're not. <laughs> We've had senioritis for years. <laughs> We've had senioritis for so long, everybody. I don't want to do any homework. I asked ChatGPT to generate a topic idea for us this week. I didn't, everyone. I didn't. I'm kidding. AI is the worst. Don't do it. You know, there's all this. So I was talking to somebody uh, who, whatever, it's not important. But apparently, like, there is a big issue uh, out in those uh, KU romance streets these days. Oh, I'm sure. There is a lot of churn that readers are stumbling upon that is coming out of these AI machines. So be vigilant. (laughs) It's really hard for me to get behind this here technology you're telling me is going to be life changing when it seems most suited to running scams, no matter where it is. I was like, so it's very hard to believe this is going to change everything when the people who are predominantly using it are scammers, regardless of industry. Someone's scamming with this shit. What's wild is so I'm a member of the Authors Guild, right? I joined because I wanted to be involved in an organization that would be putting money and uh, legal knowledge and hopefully some sort of power behind uh, anti-book banning legislation, right? And RWA never did anything like that, uh, but definitely isn't doing it now. And, uh, And the guild is the author's guild it yeah. is so i joined the guild you know last year uh and then you get access to the guild message boards and i don't mm-hmm. know this is probably like breaking some rule but whatever i'm not going to name names but somebody on the guild message boards was like i use ai to come up with the plots for my books now i will say this you don't know this person's name. Like, I mean, if I did say right, it, you would right. be like, who the heck is that? Right, right. I don't think this person is a, like, published or, you know, really even, like, prolific author. But the idea being that there are people who just think, like, it's completely fine to wander yeah. into chat GPT and ask them to plot a book you know, for you. Plot yeah. a book. And so there's a part of me that feels like, well, that kind of tells me. My job isn't in danger, right? Like, I mean, right. a computer right. can't come up with the plot of a McLean novel. Right. Right. Well, and that's it. It's and like, can't come up with the plots of all the books that we talk about every every day. Right. Well, and I think that's the thing. Like, I had, so I've been having a lot of really interesting conversations and ideas myself about it because, of course, school starts soon and this is going to be a big deal. And I've been thinking a lot about Having like an AI unit at the beginning of the year Mm. where I'm just like, this is what it is and how it works. But like, it's really interesting because there are some teachers who then like teach. And this is I'm not talking about like middle school teachers necessarily. I don't know who's out there doing this, but like some college professors are like, well, I'm having them do things where like they have to interact with AI and put things into it to like see what happens. And then there are other people who are like. Anything you tell students to feed into the machine, you are, ina- you know, like you are, you're still engaging with it. Yeah. And this is going to be a for-profit. I mean, this is the other thing. It's going to be a for-profit industry at some point, right? We're just giving it stuff for free that later free it's going to charge people. So, you know, is that even ethical to do? And so it's just like, I mean, it's like a really 
<laughs> I don't know. I just, like I said, I think at the core of it, I'm like, anything that is predominant, every single time I've heard somebody using it, it's for a scam. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's like KU people scamming or, you know, people scamming on whatever thing they're doing. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't know how to deal with that really. So Yeah, like how to make a book cover without actually right. like paying right. an artist. It's- Right, exactly. It's like about stealing. You're stealing someone's work. You're stealing someone's livelihood. You're stealing someone's future job. This isn't, yeah. So I don't know. I know that they, you know, people swear up and down that we're going to have to figure out a way to like coexist with this technology. But right now it feels like intellectual Bitcoin. And I'm not sure that's true. No, I think that's really fair. So. So, well. Welcome to Fade of Mates, everyone. <laughs> we are ourselves. No computers required. Well, except for our recording. I know Eric's always like, every time you guys talk about technology, you sound like old ladies. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. In this case, I do. We kind of are, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is, but like, look, there are ways that technology has really, look, we wouldn't have met without technology. Of course. Of course. Nobody would be listening to our podcast right now without technology. We right. support technology. Well, but get well, out of my pool. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, it's also just like a really interesting question to me. It's like, what's the value we take away from, I mean, like our romance podcast, like, right? Like, what's the value we take from stories? Like, why do we come together out of love for this like genre? And, and these are like really big questions that get at like who we are as humans. And I, you know, what does it mean to like turn that over to a bunch of machines? Yeah. Right. Well, we were just talking before we started recording about this idea of like theme, right? Yeah. Like when right. you talk about storytelling, like when you, Jen, in your classroom talk about storytelling, I'm sure you talk about theme, right? Right. right of course. Um, And when I sit down and, and, you know, when many authors sit down and think about a book that they're working on, they think about theme. Right. What am I and trying to say? Right. What is the, what is the work of yeah. this text? Like, what is the thing I want readers to take away from this text? Yeah. Fundamentally, AI cannot do that work. It just can't. And it will it will not be able to for a very long time. I mean, it would have to be sentient and it is not sentient. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Well, and I had someone say something really interesting, which was like, I wish we'd start stop calling it artificial intelligence. And I was like, okay, tell me more about that. And they're like, well, because everything, the only thing it can do is like things it's been told to think. Right. Right. It can't. And it's not really thought. Right. It's It's a it's a it's an algorithm. Right. Like it's if I write down this word, the most likely next word is this other word. Right. So it's like this, you know, in some ways it's just like a plagiarism machine. Like I can take what's been fed into me and like spit things back out. But in terms of like intelligence, like, you know, what does that really mean? Like the way we think about the world or new ideas or like, you know, like what's coming next or predictive or, you know, how am I in conversation with this thing? I mean, these are just like really interesting questions to me. And I'm just a regular person in the world who wants to read books written by humans and wants my students to learn how to write on their own. <laughs> I don't know. These are crazy ideas. I talk all the time on the podcast about how much I love it. Even if it fails, right? I love watching writers swing for the fence. Right. Yeah, taking risks. You don't get fence swinging. No, there's no... From tell me what the plot of my book is. 
to ChatGPT. Yeah. Well, so I guess anyway. we're grumpy, grumpy today, Sarah. No, we're not. We're not. Go sw- Somebody out there is right now going, oh, what am I doing? You're swinging for the fences. And I'm going to read that book. And even if it's not great, I'm going to appreciate it. How about that? <laughs> is that nice? I don't even know if that's nice, but it's true. It is true. Yeah. Um. So, but let's listen. People have suffered through us for eight minutes to get to a topic <laughs> that I know they all want to listen to. Maybe we to. should introduce ourselves first, Sarah. Wait, didn't I say that already? Welcome to Fade of Mates, everyone. Oh, well, welcome to Fade of Mates, everyone. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And uh, we're talking about our favorite flavor of man today. (laughs) (laughs) Which is to say, exasperated man, trademark, be and her books. Um, But really, you all can just call this grumpy sunshine. Part of the reason, obviously, next week we're going to be talking about knockout. And so, exasperated man... It's going to be a nice lead-in to Poor Tommy. Poor Tommy Go Boom. Um, but so we are kind of, you know, we're always like backing up. Like, well, what are topics we haven't covered? And, you know, like, could they be related to Sarah's book as we kind of like dive in? And we like kicked around a bunch of different ideas. And we kind of landed on like grumpy sunshine. Although, like, I think exasperated man is a specific flavor of grumpy sunshine. The thing that really surprised me, Sarah, is that I was like, oh, yeah, I love Grumpy Sunshine. And then I was, as I do, looking at lists like I've never read a book, right? Looking at lists of (laughs) Grumpy Sunshine books and was like, oh, maybe I don't love this because I was looking at lists and lists and like there are a lot of books I had not read. So I was like, huh, here's what I'll say. Tell me more. Why would I? Why did I have a problem? Grumpy Sunshine is right now a very hot keyword. Yeah. And I think... I didn't win the lottery, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) I think it is mis... It's overused for the purposes of people being able to find... Like, people, people being able to, like, you know, market their books. Yeah. What I will say is that I believe that those of us who began reading romance when you and I began reading romance 17 generations ago, (laughs) in days of yore, um, read Warren Anderson and Amy Mallory. And that just just installed installed the button. (laughs) So now listen, I would not necessarily return to the magic of you. In fact, I have recently returned to the magic of you, and it is... A big wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's age gap in the extreme. Yeah. And like not in like kinky way, like in a very <laughs> like straightforward age gappy way. And it's like not my favorite. Yeah. However, he is so grumpy. Yeah. She is so sunshine. And he is so exasperated with her. And they are like basically forced to marry. Like, yeah. it's just they're they're slammed together and he just has to deal with it. And she is obsessed with him. Like, she's been obsessed with him since she was a child. Yeah. I Okay. She remains a child, by the way. We might have to have like a little like before we get to Grumpy Sunshine, another conversation. Because I read an old Judith McNaught that was my favorite this week that I finally remembered. And? You finish first. Okay. So all I'm saying is that like. 
it installed many that book installed many buttons for me on a number of different places in a number of different ways that like are both public and private. But the <laughs> point is that like I think when you come through old school romance, Grumpy Sunshine was so yeah. clearly like he was an exasperated man. Yes. And she was like a little bit of like a chaos machine. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't see that exact um, set up very much anymore. Yeah. So let me pause and say I read. Um, so I was having coffee with a Chicago romance friend named Jessica and it's taken us forever to get together. We finally figured it out. And um, something about and then the night before I had dinner with one of our listeners, Brianna. So like I had like kind of two romance conversations with people in quick succession and in both of them, we were, I was kind of like reminiscing like about like Judith McNaught books and how I liked this contemporary and I couldn't remember what it was. And I thought it was Paradise, which is the book before Perfect. And Brianna was like, is that the one where she has the miscarriage? And then it's like years later when he discovers and she's just like, do you think my father lied to me? He said he put pink roses at her grave. And I was like, oh, my God. Right. Like it all came back to me. Oh, those That pink roses thing just yes. like landed. Whoosh, right. Like just like that. I like went home and like literally read the scene in Senator. So then the next day I was like, well, it wasn't that one. And Jessica's like, do you remember anything about it? And all of a sudden, like out of like the depths of my soul came Houston socialites. Well, it's McNaught. So it's not. <laughs> I mean, and here's the other thing. So it's remember when is the book, and the funny uh, thing is, is I love this fucking book, Sarah. Here's the other thing. I it was 1996, which means I read it for the first time when I was living in Houston doing TFA. Amazing. It was amazing, and I reread that whole thing in like a night. Yeah. And the whole part they do not meet until chapter 20 i mean oh well because she's a teenager and she like they kind of he was a stable hand and they kind of knew each other but she loved that shit though like she loved starting a book with a 12 year old heroine who's like going through childhood trauma well that's paradise too and And i was like yeah this shit's wild like no wonder i read these books and thought they were for me because they started with 14 year old girls yeah yeah which now you don't see at all. I mean, here's what I will say. The Magic of You, which is Joanna Lindsay. Uh, it doesn't, I don't think it starts with Amy being like young. I think Amy's just like, she's literally like 17. Yeah. And she's like, I want that man. And he's like close to 40. Well, this was the funny part in Remember When she's like 29 and she's engaged to somebody named Dan at the beginning who dumps her. And then like her grandparents are like, named what? What's his name? Dan. 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 I thought you said like, yeah, I thought you were like Danny McDannon. And I was like, Danny McDannon. I couldn't remember Dan anyway. (laughs) And her grandparents were like, he was in his early forties. What would he want with a young 29 year old girl like you? And I was like, all right. Oh, oh, grandma. That's right. But like the Jessica (laughs) years have really ruined me. (laughs) But, it's interesting because one of the things about Jen, I have to talk to I have to talk about my book that I started reading and I you guys I read a book this week you finish and we'll okay I'm just saying like the grumpy sunshine thing in remember when it's not really grumpy he's not really grumpy like he's pretty into her his grumpiness is about 
being forced. I mean, I th- I'd forgotten this. I thought it was also fascinating. He, he, they essentially have a marriage of convenience. They meet at 40% and get married at 52% because his great uncle is like, I want to hold my fucking grandbabies. And that means you have to get married and have kids. Yeah. And I really did appreciate the like turn on like who is getting pressured to marry and produce children in this book. This week's episode of Fate of Mates is sponsored by Megan Quinn, author of The Way I Hate Him. I like that title. Well, of course, it's because it's all about revenge and no one Yay! loves revenge like you. And in this case, we have Hattie Rowley. She is going home, which is like a difficult place for her. She's just lost a sister. She has like, this complicated, you know, relationship with her siblings. And to make matters worse, her boyfriend breaks up with her and tells her that she's boring. And she is like determined to get revenge on this jacket. This <clears throat> I wouldn't say a bad word, but whatever. She's gonna get revenge. <laughs> and the way she's gonna do it is essentially by like torpedoing the ex's job. He works for this rock star named Hayes, and he's been like essentially pilfering memorabilia from Hayes. So Hattie's like, I'm gonna take this stuff, go back to Hayes, tell the truth about what the ex has been up to, and get everybody in hot water and get my revenge. Nice. But Hayes doesn't really do what she wants and thinks maybe that she was involved and there's a lot of business going on there. So uh, what Hayes essentially is like, do things the way I want or I'm going to tell everybody you took the stuff. It's all very complicated, but I bet they're going to figure it out by banging it out. And I don't mean on a (laughs) drum, Sarah. (laughs) Well, you can find out exactly how they figure it out. Uh, by getting The Way I Hate Him in print, ebook, audiobook, or with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thanks to Megan Quinn for sponsoring this week's episode. You know, that makes me think of Jude Devereaux's The Black Lion, which was my first romance novel. Also very young, heroine ingenue. Yeah. Very, like, sunshiny. Like, yeah. And he, the hero, the black lion, is like, wears all black, rides a black horse, like, has a black heart. Like, is a very... All that, yeah. He's the head of... He's, like, the darkest hero. He's the, the, like... No, he's, like, the strongest, most powerful, most fearsome warrior in the world, right? And he comes soaring through, looking for somewhere to sleep for the night. And um, her father offers him a room in her, in the castle and also like because he's a valued like venerable guest she's required to bathe him <laughs> and so sure. um so this happens and he like she's so sunshiny that yeah. like he she makes him laugh for like the first time ever in his yes. like long yes. miserable like cold yes. controlled life like yes. even when he was a child he never had joy yes and uh and then there's this like magnificent chapter or two where the two of them are like hardcore falling in love. Yeah. She's again 18, he's almost 40. And then they like marry and then it all falls apart cuz he has a mistress who's a terrible other woman. Listen, right. also, all the bad this stuff book right. does not hold up. But point is, like these kinds of like old this uh, this setup, this these characters yes. is so old school yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Well, this whole like this is with remember I mean, when Cole, I, you know, Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Yeah, he never he he's never gonna laugh right ever, and no. that's why when you know he like she gives him a tie for the day because he whatever long you know romance reasons and. Someone's like, what's up with your tie? And he's like, oh, yeah, my wife gave it to me. And he, like, laughs. And people are like, what the fuck is going on with him? But you know what yeah. I mean? What? But I mean, but that's why, like, back to Susan Elizabeth Phillips, like, one of the reasons I really loved Heaven, Texas is because Bobby Tom is, like, this jocular goofball in a lot of ways. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, his name's Bobby Tom, for God's sakes. And mm-hmm. him, you know, that like, it takes her a while to figure out that he's, like, grumpy underneath. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah. right? That's all but like, cover. um, uh, but like Kiss an Angel, right? Like, she oh. makes friends with everybody. She's like friends yes. with people, she's yes. friends with gorillas, like, she's yes. friends with everybody. And he's just, and he is the grumpiest of grumps. Yeah. So, like, it's interesting because I do think that if you come out of that school of romance, like, some of these grumpy sunshine books, you're like, but is it though? Because <laughs> he never this laughed. Man is just I'm having sorry. a bad day. <laughs> well, and it's really interesting. I mean, I think the other thing I just want to like kind of air out here as we talk about this is, you know, we are very specifically going to talk about like exasperated man or whatever. So mm-hmm. by definition, we're kind of like rolling with that, like what most people would say is like, right, like he's grumpy, she's sunshine. And like, People get really pissed when you say reverse grumpy sunshine um, because obviously like tropes are tropes or whatever. Right. Like there's no nothing that says that like he has to be the grumpy one. I was like, except, you know, the patriarchy. Right. Like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of ways in which women are well, absolutely this- punished for not being sunshiny. Yep. And I and I and I think there's a reason why like when someone's saying like reverse grumpy sunshine, like I understand and you are all correct that it's bullshit. But also mm-hmm. <laughs> like right, it is very hard to be a grumpy woman in our society. So Yeah, I mean I do that. have two I have two books I have for one, that. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do those first? Maybe. No, I mean, not necessarily, because no. I think they play against type in some ways. Like, why don't we start off with, like, the, our exasperated men, our exasperated men, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> what do you got? Well, wait, I think we have to acknowledge. Talk more about, the, yeah. I uh, know. I think we have to acknowledge the biggest one, which I put on my list, knowing. Managed. It's, yeah, it's yeah, Scotty. It's Scotty. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's first. I mean. It's yeah, it's a great it's a great Listen, modern grumpy sunshine, everybody. You guys, we did a whole deep dive on this. Oh my god, it's we'll my put favorite. links in show notes. It's the greatest. It's so good. Also, corollary fall. Uh the hero is not grumpy in that book, but the heroine is a professional friend. Yes. Which like is you know, terrific. I think Callahan is great. Yeah. I think one of the things I guess I would say is I if we're gonna talk about it, just like besides giving Rex. The hero like, in fall, by the way, is he is not grumpy, but he is like, he's got a lot of work to go through. Yeah, he's working on himself. He was, yeah, he's depressed. Not yeah, grumpy, well, he right? has, he has, uh, the whole, the impetus for that entire series is that he attempted to, har- he attempted to kill himself. Yeah. So, uh, it is his book and it's, you know, comes with yeah. all of that baggage. So, trigger warnings, check your content warnings, et cetera. But also, she's a professional friend and that's a delight. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting is to think about then is, like, what is the source of the grumpiness, right? Like, 
what is making this person grumpy or exasperated? Because I do think that like there are like different things that drive that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like like kind of so that's like one of the ways I try to come at it, which is kind of like what what's causing the grumpiness, right? Like I mean, so back to remember when, right? Cole's grumpy because he's essentially being forced into marriage. Mm-hmm. But you know, and he's like I don't want this. Um, and he's worried it's, he's going to lose his company, right? So it's like someone forcing family obligations on him when he wants to just, like, do professional stuff. But, like, and I would say, like, Scotty in some ways is, like, the same thing, right? Like, he is, so the plot of this book is that he is the manager of the band. And Sophie is going to be their, like, new social media specialist, essentially. And he, she just, like... Whatever, like, little soft spot he has, she just, like, slots right in and he cannot stand it. It's like a burr under his saddle. And, but, like, his grumpiness is, I think, like, situational in some ways as well, right? Like, he feels this great responsibility for the band, for their success and their happiness and their safety. But, like, band people are notoriously, right, like, wild men, Right. They're the creatives. They're the artists. They're the mm-hmm. ones who are, you know, and so this responsibility of like managing them is so great that he is essentially grumpy because of it. Right. Like, does that make sense? Would you mm-hmm. agree that that's the case? So, yes. Much? Yeah, I do. I also I mean, like he also has his own like, you know. Oh, yeah. He's got his own shit. Sure. Listen, this is one of those things I'm teaching this my conflict class this week so i'm thinking a lot about how Mm, yeah how you build a character like this because this is not an un i think my point when i said oh we all you know whatever all these books that installed our buttons grumpy sunshine is not new no nor is it uncommon like we are not thin on the ground here with uh grumpy sunshine books so i think that I think in romance, because of all the things you just said about patriarchy, like uh, most, I would say most MF romance starts off from a position of he is settled, quieter, more controlled, uncomfortable with feelings. Well, an uncomfortable change, right? Settled. Like, I have made my world the way I want it. Yes. I've been sort of using that phrasing in my yes. class. Like, he yes. is in stasis. He is, yes. He is bedrock. Yes. And so now, all of a sudden, some, someone comes along. She is a force of nature. Yeah. And so, now listen, that is, like, the, she is a force of nature is more fluid. Like, there are many yeah. different kinds of heroines that we see wander through, but... I think one of the kind of, what do I want to say here? I think one of the commonalities between many romance novels is that she changes him. Yes. Yeah. And I think in this case, like, Grumpy Sunshine. Because of patriarchy. Yeah, is about, like changing like a worldview often. Well, he's Roy Kent. Like, Roy and Keeley are the. are the kind of platonic ideal of grumpy sunshine right because he is 
He's Roy Kent, and he gets paid to play a game. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And he's so grumpy. And I read this article the other day about, we know we have, by the way, we know there's a third season of Ted Lasso. We'll get there. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this is he was, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, Apparently, like, one of the big challenges was he knew Roy couldn't smile. Like, Roy doesn't smile Mm. through the first season. Like, Roy doesn't smile. And apparently, Brett Goldstein is, like, the smiliest, laughingest, like, most lovely person in real life. And so, like, most of the times that that Brett Goldstein, like, broke, right, on the – in film was, like, him accidentally smiling. That's so interesting. Because like, and then the, you know, everybody on like the, the directors and the writers and everybody were like, oh, we got to go back. Brett smiled. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's this like sense. Uh, and then Keely comes in and Keely is like bright and sunshiny. And she's like, would you rather be a lion or, or a panda? Right. Like everything right. about her is like whimsical and fun until you peel that back and you're like, oh, Keely's like riddled with self confidence issues and like right you know all these other things that we don't we don't expect to see in this character right so like there's there is this really beautiful balance if you tee them up at the beginning of the love story or the beginning of the romance as like complete and utter opposites right but in actual fact like the cishet man character who doesn't feel feelings and the heroine the you know cishet you know, woman right. character who feels like who's just like all a ball of excitement and emotion. When you peel back that outer layer, you're finding the same sort of identity, right. the same sort of stuff issues yeah. inside. And so yeah. that's what makes these romances so beautiful. And it also it fundamentally, I think the reason why these are so bedrock to the genre is because they are about identity. They are finally about two people who can not only see be seen by the other person right. as their true selves, but also finally live their truth out loud. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I think so I think that yeah, I mean, I would agree. So I mean, managed it to me is like a perfect example of this, right? And I think that I it's like one of my top however many favorite books like top three like i love it i love this book a lot yeah i have an old one too that i want to talk about another old one okay uh this is elizabeth lowell warrior territory Mm. as well i mean this is elizabeth lowell territory i don't think elizabeth lowell has ever written not grumpy so i mean they're more like angry but sure fair yeah uh, sure (laughs) No, but this one, I'm not going to get too deep into it. I've talked about it before on the category episodes, but this is the one where the hero Nevada <laughs> was like a mercenary, like of a course. hired gun somewhere in the world. Like he, he's the guy you hire who knows how to kill you in 16 different ways. I've been watching um, The Great on Hulu, and there's this ad that keeps coming up for this new show that has Denzel Washington in it. Mm. Have you seen this ad? Mm-hmm. And he like, it's like Denzel Washington is, I think it's called The Enforcer, and he plays like it's about the mob, but he's like the Sounds enforcer great. for I the mob. I want it already. Yeah, I know. And there's this scene that keeps playing. You know, I don't know if you watch Hulu, but like Hulu has like six advertisers. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the ads same ones are over like and over the same over and over again. But he keeps playing this ad, and he like 
gets this guy and he's like, now I have my thumb on your such and such nerve and I'm going to push. And he's like, that's a one. That's two. You don't want me to get to four. <laughs> and I'm like, Miz, oh. I was like, I want it. Yeah, so already. Nevada is basically Denzel Washington in this mob show. <laughs> he knows how to kill you in many different ways. He has never smiled. Never. But he can smell when you're pregnant. Obviously. <laughs> so, I don't know what to say about that. There you and, go. And um, what's her name? Oh, my God. It's like Aurora or something. Or Rain or something. It's like something, yeah. you know, natural because she's a force of nature. She has been through this. She's a really interesting character, though, because she has been through this, like, deep, deep trauma with her family. Mm-hmm. And has come out on the other side as like a really happy, like she's really like serene and lovely. She has a wolf, a pet wolf who makes Obviously. her laugh. And like, sure. you know, she's just, and she's like great and very friendly to all people. Eden is her name. Eden. That's right. Is this the one where she like makes him the shirt? Shirt, no. Okay. She, this is the one where he gets, she gets stuck under a rock. And they're cat, they're big cat hunters. Not hunters, I'm air quoting hunters. They're not hunters. They are trackers. Like, she's like a scientist up there in the, like, Tennessee foothills, tracking mountain lions. There's a wolf. He smells pregnancy on her. (laughs) There's one of these Elizabeth Lowell's with these, like, Blackthorn brothers where... Oh, yeah. They're all named for states. states. Um, <laughs> In order to prove her love for him, she, like, makes him a shirt by hand. But she, like, n- like literally sews it by hand, like, perfect little stitches. Mm. Because, you know, a sewing machine does that. And she, like, just doesn't understand how. So, <laughs> you know, she grew up and, you know, I don't know. It's honestly oh very... Oh, God. Wait. But you mentioned, okay, listen, this is I just love it. We're all over the place this week. Sorry, everyone. We have one more episode before the end of the season. And then we're going to take a break and come back real fresh. But the, um, my favorite, she makes him a shirt. We could do a whole, she makes him, she makes him clothing episode. Put that on the list. My favorite, she makes him a shirt episode is a Judith McNaught. It's double standards. Do you remember that? No. She knits him a sweater and it is the exact color of his eyes. Oh, of course. And then he betrays her because he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then he does something. He's, oh, my God. He treats her so poorly. Yeah. <gasps> and she is so mad that she gives the sweater to his best friend and business partner. Oh, well, Who fine. then wears it. <laughs> and the hero loses, loses his, his mind. <laughs> Yeah, I would read that. I'm He's like, garbage, everybody. That's my sweater. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, Judith McNaught knows what's up. Yeah, Elizabeth they Lowell. all do. They know. Um, What is the source of his grumpiness is just, well, I mean, like, so yeah, do you think he's an exasperated man? Yeah. Do you think he's an exasperated man? Scotty is an exasperated yes, man. Scotty is exasperated. Yeah. Nevada is exasperated by her Nevada believes the world is cold and hard yeah and painful right and in order for you to survive it you also have to be cold and hard and painful sure Eden believes that the world is like she has been through 
some shit. Yeah. And she is like, the way you survive in the world is by bringing joy to the table. And he is exasperated. He's deeply exasperated by the idea that she would put herself out there. Yeah. And potentially be hurt. Yeah. In fact, now that I'm sort of talking about this, the, the end moment of this book, you can get this book still. It's in print. It's on, it's a Kindle book. You can get it for three bucks. Ah, Terrific. Everybody should go get this. The ending of, I don't, listen, your mileage may vary on this. There could be a lot of things in here that are not appropriate. I mean, it is Elizabeth Lowell, but the, the, but the point is, so we, by the end, like she is pregnant as we know. uh, And she has like, there's this moment where there's like a talisman, an item that like she wears to prove herself, to prove to herself that love is real, that love is powerful. Right. I feel like this is the book with the shirt. I'm convinced it's the it's same. Not, book, I don't think it okay. is, but okay. And then she str- she she goes into a, you know one of the other Blackthorn couples has already had a baby, and she goes in and she like hangs this talisman from this ring from oh the yeah mobile above the baby because she doesn't need it anymore. Right. Because she's pregnant, like there's a baby inside her now. Like there's love inside her right now. Right. It's a lot. And then Nevada comes in after, and they've already broken up. Like it's they're in the dark moment of the book, right? They Nevada comes in and says and sees the ring and is like, "Oh my god, she doesn't believe in love anymore." And he like races to her because like God, God damn it, she has to believe in love. Like she's yes, that's her bedrock faith, and and Nevada will do anything to make sure that she continues to have it because it's what makes her beautiful and powerful and kind and wonderful and like you know, the platonic ideal of women. (laughs) And he gets to her and she's like, I don't need it because I already know it's like inside me. And then he's like, (laughs) wait a second, I I smell you, you're pregnant. Romance is unmatched, you guys. (laughs) You know what it is? I think the shirt is Tennessee's book. I think think that's it. Could be. There's a Carolina, a Tennessee, a Nevada. There was a brother, Utah, and he never got his book. And am I still mad about it? 30 fucking five years later. Maybe someday we'll we'll talk to Elizabeth Lowell on the podcast and you can ask her about it. I'll be like, where is Utah's book? No one named Utah was ever going to fall in love. I just want to tell you. Okay. Anyway, romance is unmatched, everybody. I know those. You know what? Smelling pregnancy on heroines, though. This is not, we could also do an episode on that, I think. He's not <laughs> the only hero who can smell pregnancy. No, because well, all of Just recently all, somebody had one and I was like, okay. Listen, it's just true. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> Romance science. Oh boy. That's right. what we should do an episode on, Jen. Romance okay. science. Put it on the list. That's I'm going to put it on the list right now. People, we have so many ideas on the list. It's but honestly that's a amazing. Fun, see, that's one. That's a fun one. Eric will be mad because we won't have a you know searchable title for it. But romance science is exactly it should be. You can you can smell pregnancy. Sure. I mean any number of things you can smell someone. If you're nauseous, you're definitely pregnant. You can smell <laughs> the notes of someone's personal scent. Yes, it smells like all, tobacco, all sunflower, and <laughs> happiness. All men know exactly the smell of every flower. Oh, of course. <laughs> 
This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Pocket Bookshop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This is one of my very favorite independent booksellers, Jen. Nothing like it. Okay. Sometime we're going to have to go, you and I. There, it's in this beautiful, big old Victorian house in, on a corner in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it's like a magical place. You go in, it's feminist, woman-owned, queer-safe, inclusive, amazing, There, and there is a huge romance section, and it's just the best. It's the best. And even better, uh, for a really fun gift for yourself or for someone else, you can order subscription boxes from them, even if you don't live in Lancaster. Uh, you can decide how often you want to receive a box, like if you want to get them monthly or maybe daily. daily. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then they ask you, they have you fill out a form where you give them all the information on what kind of books you like, uh, or you can, and they'll they'll hand pick this box for you. So they generally do like a general box with all sorts of genres. If you're you know a cross genre reader, they of course have a big swoony romance box, uh, queer romance boxes, queer horror boxes, as well so as fun. generalized horror boxes, queer YA boxes, children's and middle grade boxes. I mean. It's so they have cool. the whole gamut. And everybody, their website, if you are not close to this shop, their website is so easy and clear and like really, you know, um, great to use. So if you are looking forward to like maybe getting this for yourself or for a friend, I feel like you should you will really be able to like find what you want on their website as well. And uh, and Sarah, if you're close by. Um, or not close by, on September 16th, Adriana Herrera, Joanna Shoup, and I will be at Pocket Books talking about romance novels, having a great time, making people laugh, making people cry, doing the (laughs) whole nine, um, signing books. Come out and hang out with us. There are also, like, amazing farms all over for you to, you know, buy your fall pumpkins and stuff. It's great. They're amazing. They're the best. I love them. Pocket Books Shop dot com is their website and you can get tickets to our event and buy subscription boxes while you are there thanks for sponsoring this week's episode and have a great time shopping at their store or online okay i'm going to talk to you about when my favorite exasperated man is um in a tessa bailey book called worked up and his name is duke I love this book. And he is an exasperated man because he has several divorced sisters and they are all living with him. Yes. And all all he wants to do is like watch SportsCenter. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And he just can't because of all these women in his house. And what's and he is basically from this, of course, learned that like definitely do not get married. Look at the way this all ends up. This is going to be a disaster. Right. And along comes Sam, who he meets, I think, in a bar. And she is in town um, because her brother owns, like, the, you know, local factory or whatever. And he, Duke, is the foreman at the factory. And these two, like, meet. And it's just, like, this incredible, intense chemistry. And they, and she is also determined not to get married for whatever her romance reason is. And these two end up getting married essentially, like, within 24 hours and the thing that's really interesting about his exasperation is that it makes him very stubborn 
And mm-hmm. so her brother intervenes to break up their marriage. And rather than like letting it chase him off, even though he was like, I never wanted to get married, it's what powers his ability to like de- his determination to not let her go. Um, this is like a primordial grunting Tessa Bailey hero. I mean, Tessa Bailey does grumpy sunshine every other book. Yes. <laughs> right. So, right. But I mean, this to me to is like some point. the grumpiest of, you know what I mean? But I think yeah. his, his grumpiness is really, you know, it's like you understand that he is a good person. Right. Like he's just like not one for feelings, but he lets all his sisters live with him and he's not one for, you know, like sort of caring for people. And yet everyone in town knows that like Duke is the guy you go to if you need help. So, I mean, it's also like a really interesting way of portraying like the grumpiness as being something like everyone can see through Mm -hmm. and it being like literally just like a personality trait. (laughs) Yeah. Um, one of the ways that Sam like really shows him that she cares for him is they're like going to this overnight trip to Atlantic City and she like gets him a six pack of beer and sets up the chair in front of like ESPN. It's so fun. It really is. And she's just like, I just knew that this is what you wanted. It's terrific. Everybody. It's really great. It is. Yeah, I mean, Tessa Bailey is just literally on my list as Tessa Bailey. Tessa Bailey. Like, I was just going to talk about Tessa Bailey. Um, But I will say, because this is, we're going to, you know, playing against type, uh, I want to name check uh, Window Shopping by Tessa, because she does try in that book flipping the script. And it's really Mm. interesting, right? Because... I brought up Ted Lasso already once and I'm going to bring it up Mm -hmm. again because, you know, she kind of said, like, this is my Ted Lasso. Like, this is my hero who's basically Ted Lasso. And he actually kind of is like he has mustache and everything. Like, it's very much like a a Ted Lasso feel. Um, But he is a department store owner and he loves Christmas and there are these like holiday windows and he's looking for a holiday window dresser and the heroine has just gotten out of jail for, you know, whatever reasons, big romance reasons here. Like, yeah. um, And, you know, and there is, and they, she is so grumpy (laughs) as a character. She's just really like, she doesn't want anybody to impact her in any way that makes her feel feelings. Yeah. Which, you know, makes sense. And I will say this. This book worked for me in a lot of ways. It was a kind of a struggle to, like, find Ted Lasso as, like, sexy. sexy. Yeah. Um, You're like, but, yeah. like... Listen, what I will say is Tessica right. And if there if you do find that Ted Lasso humor and the like Ted Lasso like folksy yeah. cuteness sexy in any way, this book is gonna really like it nails it. Like the writing yeah. of this, the banter is it really feels like you're watching Ted Lasso. Yeah. You know, just win over a grumpy so, yeah. heroine. So I have a grumpy heroine, and then I also have an MM book. So I have I think, an like, MM book. The vibes too. are a little different. So, and I don't know. I I actually really like kind of 
waffled on whether or not to put like grumpy as like a moniker on this particular woman because I felt like it was kind of unfair. But I, it, you've read this too and also love Wild Brain by Beverly Jenkins. This is how spring is in this book, right? I mean, and like the hard things that have happened to her are genuinely like devastating, right? Like essentially her... When she was a teenager, her like the I don't know, I can't remember if it was her grandfather, whoever was supposed to be like watching out for her is basically like, you got to marry this old man because I'm tired of raising you. And she is so determined to essentially avoid that, that she goes and works for someone who makes it pretty clear that if she's going to take a job, she's going to have to sleep with these guys, too. Mm -hmm. And she really genuinely has had the every fucking thing go against her. And she is such a survivor. That then when um, Colton Lee, who is the hero, right, who is just like a, I mean, like, again, like reads not as sunshine, but sort of like naive, like he's a city boy and he like kind of arrives and he's a reporter. And I mean, obviously, he's had his own life. I'm not saying he's, you know, like a, a chump or anything, but he cannot understand her, like why she is so unwilling to accept any kind of help from anybody. Yeah. And I think it's that same thing where like this is a veneer, right? Hiding all of the really painful, terrible things that she's had to survive, but that she is determined not to let them define her. I mean, I think I would I would go I would say that like this is a book. It's a couple years old now that has really stuck with me in terms of like here is a powerful woman who's like, I'm making things happen on my own terms. Yes. Right. And yeah. the, the one she finds is someone who really doesn't have that kind of like life has made me hard vibe about him. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like to me one that could like fit in here as again, like the cause of the of that vibe. Right. The cause of that like way of seeing the world is very well established on page. This week's episode of Fade of Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs creators of microdose gummies we have talked at length about how much we love this product you know people use it for like a creative boost i use it often um if i have a little bit of insomnia it is something that i found has really worked for me um other people might just want to like sort of get through the day and have that like sort of late energy boost these microdose gummies are just a terrific way to like sort of experiment with like a tiny amount of THC to see if it helps you kind of manage whatever it is you're managing. And you can get microdose gummies nationwide delivered directly to your door. If you uh, use the code FADEDMATES, you can get free shipping and 30% off your first order at microdose.com. Uh, while you're there, you can also learn more about microdosing THC. Links can be found in show notes, of course. Course, as always, but that's microdose.com code faded mates for 30% off and free shipping directly to your door. Thanks, as always, to Lumi Labs for sponsoring the episode. Did you ever read Jennifer Ashley's Rules for a Proper Governess? No. Okay, it's one of the uh, Mackenzie series, but it's like later in the series, I think, because it's not a Mackenzie. Neither okay. of them are Mackenzie's. So, premise here is that there is the hero is a, a widower with two children and um he the 
like this is a real some real classic like sound of music uh mary poppins shit where like these two kids are nightmares like and they're (laughs) nightmares for lots of for like reasonable reasons like they're yeah their mom died right so um there is so he is like at his wit's end he is exasperated man tm with his children right he is at his Mm. wit's end he is emotionally sort of barren at this point because he is like bought he has bottled up all the emotion about losing his wife yeah and he is a a barrister right so he's like literally on the street outside of court and uh a pickpocket picks his picks like takes his watch and he grabs her (laughs) and it's the heroine she's like a full-on criminal (laughs) and she's like let me go and uh then and then she like gets him to let her go by kissing him. Perfect. No notes. Okay. And then she ends up like his children are like running around like mm-hmm. like just free because they've run off their last governess. And they're, uh she rescues them from like a situation where she is, you know, and has to return them to him. And in the moment, like between rescuing them in the time between rescuing them and returning them to him, like she like basically wins these kids over like they are delighted by her. Yeah. And also they listen to her. She's like Mary Poppins. Right. And so she turns up to deliver his children to him and give him, like, kind of a scathing set down. Like, you know, right. you really shouldn't let your children play in traffic. And uh, and he's like, you have to be my governess. And mm. she's like, mm, but do I, though? But then also, like, she takes the job because he, he, like, makes it impossible for her to refuse. And she just, like. She is sun quite literally like light yeah. inside his like dark right home right and she returns her you know joy to this this home that has been really full of sorrow and yeah. so it's beautiful I mean Jennifer Jennifer Ashley writes a beautiful book I love so many of the books in this series um and I really love this one because it does do that kind of work of saving like the sunshine like filling all the right. dark corners right and right. by the end like there's a lot of joy and what was the name of that title again <sighs> rules for a proper governess okay yeah because i haven't read that one hmm. yeah so i have some other contemporaries um that i think like fill this like really would like hit this this spot. i have a question yeah i have a i have one that i'm like would we call this this yeah so can we do that one? Yeah. What about the bride test? Huh. That was sort of, it was, when we decided on this topic, I immediately yeah. was like, what about the bride test? Uh, which is Helen Hoeing. But um, but then I was like, mm, is it, is he grumpy? He's autistic. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I think this is like a really like big question. Like, would, so he's very controlled. Yeah, and very um, particular about yeah. his world. Yeah, and his what? His mother is not thrilled with his poss- like his possibilities for marriage, and so she literally goes to Vietnam to find him a bride. Right, and he's pretty upset about that, like yeah, high no, handedness of it, and also though, from what I remember, like pretty upset at like the position that now his to bride to be is in right which yeah. is like 
well, what if I'm not interested in her? And now my mom sort of like brought this woman over. And yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I think she is delightful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like they're the vibe is very like she is bright and he is. Yeah. Closed off. Right. God, there's a really memorable scene. It, she is a mother. She has a young mm-hmm. daughter still back in Vietnam. And like, you know how you have those those scenes in a book that just will always stick mm-hmm. with you. And when her daughter comes back and he like sees them together and he's mm-hmm. it's like beautiful. It's just like a really beautiful moment. I mean, in that book, I think that yeah. is Helen's. That is my favorite of Helen's books. I think it's yeah. so perfectly done. Yeah, and I love that book. If you've yeah. never read it. I mean, you should absolutely read uh, The Kiss Quotient, too, but, like, The Bride Test is yeah, it's chef's perfect. kiss. It's Yeah, it's a it's a great book. That is. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting – It's I guess I feel like there's – He's not me. exasperated man, though. No, not at all. No. No, he's not exasperated. He's just extraordinarily controlled man. Yeah, right. Right. Huh. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I cut you off, though. No, it was just like a really interesting question. I also feel like I guess I just want to say, like, as an abled person, I don't know, like, how it would land to have somebody as autistic being labeled like grumpy. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I, you know, but but at the same time, I feel like there are times when people will code grumpy characters as autistic. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they like to see, like, potentially, like, see themselves on page or whatever. So, you know, I think these are really interesting questions, but I do think that like her vibe is so sunshiny and he is definitely like really like this is my mother has put something in emotion I didn't want to happen. So in that sense, I do think. Yes. Right. It qualifies. Um, I was going to talk about actor age Eve Brown. Oh, I have that on my list, too. But you oh, go ahead. well, because talk about an exasperated man. And, uh-huh. you know, for good reason. Right. Like she. <laughs> Like the beginning of this book is essentially that she what is she like back into his car or something I can't remember but yeah. you know she causes damage to his in property. the we- at a wedding doesn't she no there's a wedding like, that starts yeah. the book though right right well and she's the last of the brown sisters and she has you know not she's a goof yeah right exactly and she's on a journey of discovering about her identity too and he is just this like <laughs> Oh, my God. He is like a really good exasperated man, Jacob. Mm-hmm. And he just is like the whole entire time. She's like desperately like, I want to make things better. Let mm-hmm. me I've got a million ideas. And the entire time he's like, no, that will not make things better at all. But <laughs> it does because he falls in love with her. And it's amazing. That's I all those Brown Sisters books are good. But I have to admit that I have a real soft spot for this one. It might be my favorite. Well, you know, that book is a really good example of, um, like, a character who in the prior two books was the dog. Like, yeah. she is there. She's played for laughs in the yeah. in the earlier books. I mean, listen, Imogen was played for laughs in two sure. books. And then had we'll talk to about that next week. book, right? Like, <laughs> think about those of you who are Immortals After Dark fans. Like, this is Nyx, right? Like, at some point, you have to turn the ship around. And when... You have a character like Eve who has been not just sunshine, but like chaotic sunshine. Yeah. Like wacky summer sunshine. Right. <laughs> for for two books. The the dynamic has to be yeah. really intense. And I think, you know, Talia H- Hibbert really nails it. 
Um, I have more. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, I have two more. Me too. Oh, maybe three. I have maybe have three more. Sorry. All right. Maybe well, then you should go same. first. Um, I can go you, me, you. Me, yeah. You. The Worst Guy by Kate Canterbury. Oh, okay. And I think Kate Canterbury has quite a few. I think she also seems to specialize in this dynamic. But I haven't the, read that jam book, but people think people that's people think that yeah, exactly. Um, in this one, we have Sebastian Strummel and Sarah Shapiro, and they are both doctors at the same hospital. And like he is, it's just so great. Like this man is a not even a grump; he is a crank. Like he is just like completely cranky all the time. Yeah, and he is. I mean, and it comes along with, like, some judgmental parts of, like, right? Like, he's kind of like, why is she like this? Why is her work like this? Right? And they actually have, like, kind of have this altercation, which ends up with them, like, destroying some hospital property and being, like, ordered into, like, therapy together to kind of figure it out. Because Listen, that, this is, like, pure romance science of here. Of course. <laughs> romance therapy. And romance job. Right? Romance, like, workplace. Sure. <laughs> and... It's, rules yeah so i think that in terms of capturing like that dynamic of grumpy sunshine where in this case his grumpiness is really driven by like how much he likes her and just can't say it it's delightful it's great i love it when they're like quiet because if they let themselves talk it's all gonna come out <sighs> he's like a big loud mouth but i definitely think that that's a big part of it just no i mean that's just I, that was just a side note i love it when they're quiet and can't you know yeah that's good stuff they just keep keep their mouth shut because they're afraid they just make oh yeah that's like you know white out by adra and anders is that uh-huh but she's not sunshine because they're running no. from bad guys in antarctica for sure <laughs> um what do I have? Oh, I wanted to talk about, I mean, again, very briefly, I wanted to talk about After Hours on Milagro Street because I think this kind of fits. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelina Lopez is, in my opinion, the one of us who does uh, severe heroines very, very well. Yeah. Um, and her heroines are perfect examples of, like, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And... uh in this particular case, you have the heroine who has just kind of she's coming home to Kansas from her like job as a fancy barista in Chicago. Not barista. That's the person who makes coffee. Yeah. A fancy bartender in um, a mixologist in Chicago. Um, she comes home kind of with her life in shambles, like with her reputation in tatters. Um, the whole world thinks she's a real big bitch. Um, And she gets home planning to uh, take over her grandmother's bar and, like, reinvent herself and prove to her family that she is more than the possible fuck-up she was when she left. Um, And she gets there, and there is this, like, very smart, very personable, very sexy, very, like, all-around decent guy, uh, Mm -hmm. professor who is trying to landmark this uh, building, and there's a ghost story, and her whole family thinks he's just a delight, and she can't stand him. 
She is deeply exasperated by him, uh, even when they are mutually masturbating in rooms with a very thin wall between them. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Sarah? I hope nobody is uh, listening to this <laughs> at the at the uh, car dealership. They group. need to know better about headphones in. The everybody. number of you all who just leave us on and then deliver your cars to mechanics. <laughs> I mean, learn from each other, team. You know what? <laughs> Everybody deserves a faded mate's talk. Okay. Um, we should do mechanics as an episode. Oh, yeah. There just you go. For, and then you should only listen to it if you are taking the car to the mechanics. Okay, I'm adding that to the list, too. That'd be a good one. Okay, um, I would like to talk about Shelley Lawrenston because I think Shelley Lawrenston probably oh, so has funny. a yeah ha, is like funny and great and definitely has a lock on like this vibe for sure. And mm-hmm. um, I although I have not read the Honey Badger series, I feel confident in saying that this probably hits this vibe. I'm going to talk about the Call of Crows series, which I think has three exasperated men, and the reason they are exasperated <laughs> is because. The women in this book are essentially like, um, I don't know, like Valkyries, I guess. And they all live in like a coven in Los Angeles. And in the first book, Kara, so they have to like die and then be like recreated. And the first book, Kara, is like an ex-military person. And she ends up like being, you know, recreate, like, you know, revived. And she lives now in this like coven with these like other women And she has no idea what's going on. She, like, really is. I think these three books have that, like, chaos demon vibe from these women. Mm -hmm. And then Vig, who's the hero, is just, like, super in love with her but cannot figure out, like, how, you know what I mean? Like, kind of, like, how to get through to her. Um, So this whole series is so powerful in terms of, like, women and their power and them figuring out who they are and what they're good at. And then, like, sort of the men having to, like, basically, like, figure out what is my place with these women who are such, like, fully realized, awesome people all on their own. Um, But for sure, like, there's a really funny part in this book, which made me think of Exasperated Man, where um, she thought he was, like, homeless. (laughs) And all of the other guys, like, figure out that that's what she thought and are, like, constantly giving him a hard time. And he's just like, are you fucking kidding me? So it's great, but like the whole Call of Crows series, I think definitely. And and like I said, I feel certain the Honey Badger series, um, from what I've read, has that same thing. Nice. Yeah. Wait, you said you had an MM. I do have an MM. I figured oh, we I have about an that MM left. Too. So okay. Yeah, because so I feel I'm like do it. is Grumpy Sunshine, how does that vibe change, right? In this scenario. Yeah, and I'm just having I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm having like a Roy Kent thing here i don't know but i want to talk about chloe lease who i don't think we've talked about on this podcast before but uh she's a book called everything for you uh which is uh build literally build as like roy kent grumpy sunshine yeah um it's a soccer team there's an aging extreme grump dark haired <laughs> bearded you got you see the you, yes, you all see have where the, this is going. You yeah. all know where we're going with this. And a um, new hotshot, very sunshiny, um, like superstar. And they, like the Oliver, the old, the old one, has just never been nice to him. He has just been morose. And like, you know that <laughs> moment, um, 
you know the movie French Kiss, which right yes. now you can't find anywhere, by the way. Uh, sure. It doesn't stream, uh, which is – I'm very upset. But there's this moment where Kevin Klein says, you people make my ass twitch. <laughs> or like It's like that, right? Like there's just like – That's the vibe, he, yeah. He just can't stand him because he's just too much. He's too bright. He's too friendly. He's too sunshiny. He's too attractive. He's too, too much. And so they finally get into it on this on the field and their coach is like, listen, I'm stripping both of you of like – all of your princess points <laughs> if you don't get it together, including like your ability to be captain. So they have to make it. They like kind of make a deal that they're going to try to understand each other and they fall in love. And it's really nice. Nice. It's really nice. Mine is um, it's called it's the first book in the Big Bad Wolf series by Charlie Adara. I think it's called. It is called The Wolf at the Door. Sorry. And in this one, one of the things that's really interesting, and again, I was kind of like, is this grumpy sunshine? The the narrator is um, Cooper Dayton. Is that right? Dayton Cooper. Cooper Dayton. And he is an agent for something called like the BIA, which is essentially like the, um, he'd worked as the FBI agent. And, and it's really interesting the way this like all plays out because he, there was some sort of attack that he suffered. And after this attack, he's recruited by this BIA, which is essentially like he like goes in and they're like, "Okay, well, we can tell you what attacked you if you agree to work for us. But you can never not work for us once we tell you. Oh, boy. Right. It's like he's being given the red pill or the blue pill or whatever the pill is. And the pill is like werewolves exist. And the thing that so and then he like works for them for a while. You got health insurance. Yeah. (laughs) He works for them for a while. And. What's sort of clear is, like, his partner is actually, like, really prejudiced against werewolves, right? So, and and Cooper's kind of like, this feels wrong. I don't really quite feel like we're doing this right. But he, but he's also like, well, this is my partner and he's training me, right? And, but also because he was wounded so grievously by, like, you know, the, by a werewolf. Ostensibly like, a werewolf. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, at the beginning, you don't know, but you kind of know. He is, his grumpiness is really about fear, right? And so he's just, like, really afraid. And it it terrifies him that he, like, kind of can't make sense of this world he's in. And so what happens is there's a case in outside of Portland, Maine. And for the first time, he's going to be, like, teamed up with, like, a werewolf partner. Mm-hmm. And this is um, this guy's special agent. Wait, King Kent Park. Sorry, mm-hmm. a, a one syllable word. And he, and it's really interesting because it's single point of view. Park just feels really like cool, calm and collected. So it's not like sunshine exactly. Mm-hmm. But it is for Cooper. Like you see him like so desperate for like understanding. And that's the thing that like Park represents is like knowledge right like sunshine literally like like shining some light on this thing that he has been really terrifying him um yeah this is a great book i mean i don't know it's just really engaging from the jump and it's got a good setup right because immediately he's like you know it's not just that you have a new partner but like you and your partner are going away on on a you know to another place and you have to be on you have to share a rental car and you know what i mean all that stuff but I also think it's like a lot of it is in this case, like grumpiness. Remember, we were talking about like control 
Cooper has known that things are out of control. He's known that something is wrong, but he didn't have the information to like kind of make sense of it all. And so it's like a really interesting, I think, like dynamic because his, he is exasperated, but it's like because he's afraid. He's scared. Like he literally gets um, like it's, have, it's having like psychosomatic fear of like sickness and illness, like because of his injury was like to his intestines. And it's just like, I don't know. I thought it was great. So I think it's like a really good example of, in this case, Grumpy Sunshine being more about like knowledge and lack of knowledge yeah yeah i love that it's it's really good all right that's it you guys well we did it i think we sure we uh we did the job we put a lot of a lot of books in people's hands today um what do we want to say next week it's knockout week exciting so that'll release knockout releases on tuesday and the episode will come out on wednesday and if you would like to pre-order the book, you still have time to do it and get it in your home, in your house. Er- Meg, did I? Meg, why did I just call you that? That's weird. I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> Jen, have you seen the back of this book? Did you no. see it? I put it on Instagram today. Well, that's why I didn't see it, Sarah. I don't. I was going to show it to you, but I don't have a copy here. But um, oh yes, yes. It is. They're going to come to my house. I ordered, like, a bunch of them. (laughs) I'm mailing you one, too. Because it's dedicated to you. I know. I can't even. It's so amazing. Yes. Look at that. There's a clinch on the back. He's on a chaise. She's on top. Because, of course, she is. Because of course, she is. Because Imogen. Um... An exasperated man is anyway, less exasperated. Oh God, the most exasperated man. I can't wait till next week till we talk about it. So exasperated. Um, but anyway, so you can pre-order My Exasperated Man right now. The book is Knockout. It's out next week. Next week's episode is a deep dive. But we uh, we always try not to really do not spoilers. spoilers, right? Just like kind of yeah, your vibe of writing it. And then two weeks off, and then we start season six, which is so exciting. It is exciting. If you love us so much that you just can't imagine, like, you you would just really love to have us more, you can join our Patreon uh, at fatedmates.net slash Patreon. Um, you can find us on Twitter at fatedmates and on Instagram at fatedmatespod. Um, Jen and I will both be with Adriana Herrera mm, yeah. at the Yale University Romance Conference September 7th and 8th. So come out and hang out with us. We'll have stickers and pins um, and all sorts of things for you. Yeah. Uh, you can find that information in show notes. Um, if you want to hang out with me and Elena Armas in New York City, that is September 5th. And that'll be super fun. You can get tickets for us talking about our books in Union Square uh, on September 5th. Links in show notes. Yeah. And uh, if you're in Pennsylvania, anywhere near Lancaster, Adriana Herrera, Joanna Shoup, and I will be at Pocket Bookshop on September 16th talking about romance novels. Fun. I know. That was sort of a mishmash. It was not in chronological order, but, you know. It's all right. You'll check the show notes, everybody, and we're going to have a good time. Uh, thanks so much, everyone. See you next week.